Welcome to the Soul Space Podcast. Thanks for listening. All right. Welcome back. Welcome back to all friends of Soul Space. This is the Soul Space Podcast. Uh, this is a follow-on episode uh, in a conversation that I'm having with uh, Gustav Gustav's Goodmanis and uh, Evers Barris. I completely butchered your names, but I'm not going to edit it out because uh, why not? <laughs> uh, I mean, it took me took me years, Evers, to call you Evers instead of Ivars, and people are still doing it. They can't can't seem to help themselves. Um, but at any rate, um, uh, Gustavs is our lead developer on the product side at Soulspace. He's responsible for Freeform and Calendar, and basically any any plugin that we sell, either whether it's uh, Craft CMS or um, Gustav's, I'm sure, regrettably, expression engine at this stage for you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's still a market there, and it's still working. Actually, it's possibly going to stage a comeback, uh, so we're watching that carefully. And Evers is the uh, director of operations at Soulspace. And we're talking about headless, and we're probably going to be talking about headless for a while because we have seen a lot of activity on our existing clients, and Soulspace normally has clients for uh, many years, in some cases more than a decade. And we're helping them to maintain websites and really the effort is to make those websites over time more reliable every day and have less friction every day that's what i care about Um, those two things usually turn into money for our clients and that's that's the principal reason they keep us around and find value in us so we're talking about headless but today's topic is um, we're going to talk about a new project that we're starting internally uh, that I think is something that other people will be able to access, um, hopefully, you know, as sort of a, a free tool. We're seeing that clients um, of ours and incoming clients are there's an argument to be made for transitioning their transitioning their websites to a headless architecture, and the the argument is much easier to win with a new client if I can tell them that they can do it in phases, they can do it gradually. Anytime I have a client who's uncomfortable about the big push, the big timeline, the big budget to make a big change on the website, um, I always put them at ease by saying we always go in phases. We break a big problem into smaller pieces. So an important part of converting a site to headless is that you can do it in chunks. You don't have to do it all at once. For example, with Here Comes the Guide, we moved them to Mailey Search. That's just one part of the website, a critical business part of the website is now headless. It's using a separate search search API uh, with separate indexes that we custom built, and it's pulling that in with Vue.js. So Gustavs uh, is going to start working with other members of the team on creating a bootstrap sort of a framework around React.js, and this will be sort of a standard that we adopt for the headless websites that we're going to deploy. And in some cases, I'm imagining that we'll deploy this bootstrapped uh, framework uh, in advance of completely converting a website over to headless. We'll do that gradually, but after this framework is in place. I could be wrong. You could shoot me down on that. But Gustavs, can you tell me what your thoughts are so far on this idea? Um, which part exactly? The part about uh, setting up this, you're going to take React.js and you're going to create this bootstrapped um, version of it that other people on the team can can start with, can use as a starting point kind of speed their development along because the problems are going to be standard across a lot of different kinds of client sites. We shouldn't have to reinvent this every single time. So for the sake of speed and cost, we want to have uh, sort of an underlying best practices type of a framework that you're going to develop and be able to deploy that. 
maybe you can tell us a little bit about, um, you know, what are the components of it? How, how are you thinking about it in its different component parts? Right. So the idea is uh, to speed up the development process of any team that is willing to create a new project in React and start employing the headless services that are available. Uh, and the idea is to make a, a bootstrapped version of React specifically built for our team with uh, our uh, guidelines, our uh, code style and everything, and with several um, APIs in place, uh, interfaces which let us connect to any of the headless CMSs that we are going to use. Like for instance, connecting easily with Contentful or connecting easily with Craft CMS, uh, just to make our process of development faster. When you set this up, is it, um, and I'm gonna borrow the term monolithic, can can I use your the framework that you have in mind? Can I use it gradually? Like, Can I take one portion of a website, for example, this work that we did on here comes the guide to move them to Maily Search. Uh, not every page on the website was affected by our Vue.js changes. It was just uh, some sections, some critical sections, but just just a few. Could this be used? Like, is, do you have to make this a wholesale conversion, or can you use your the framework you're going to be developing in in pieces, and do it in phases? Uh, it is possible to use it as a part of your existing page, but the main idea is to create uh, an easy way to set up uh, uh, a front-end layer for your headless uh, data. So you can easily spin uh, a new server up with uh, the bootstrapped version and it's going to run your site. So it's going to be easy to create new pages and use whatever headless content that you have in those. What's what's going to be involved with um, you know, let's let's say we want to deploy this for a new client and where we've managed to convince them that moving gradually from where they are to a more headless architecture is going to create a lot of efficiency for them, um, but they don't necessarily want to go through the process or pay for uh, a redesign of their front end website. They want to use their existing design. Um, how hard will it be for them to retain their existing look and feel? Um, but convert that to a React model. Like, how does how does React work in that regard, and how are you going to set it up so that, um, say, the navigation, um, the the landing page of type view forms and so forth, uh, how how can that conversion be done? Is it going to be difficult? What's involved there? Well, you'd, most likely you would set up a specific page which would load this uh, React framework, which would then take over the page. You can create, when using React specifically, you can create portals which reuse existing parts of the page. So you can use your React app to modify some headers or navigation or, or just the content in the middle or what have you. So it's easy to inject your React application inside any part of the existing page already. So, for instance, if they would like to create generic, I mean, not generic, but uh, uh, landing pages for their marketing content, they could create a single dedicated 
page that fires up the React app that we make. And the app would then pull in the marketing content from whatever headless CMS they employ and display it in page. So it would cost less, significantly less, because there would be no need to redesign everything, create from scratch, rebuild it in uh, React. You could just take over a single page and just inject the content that's being fetched from elsewhere uh, in that specific page. That's awesome. Um, what's the pathway? Let's just, let's imagine it's you know one of our clients' craft websites and it's currently coded in Twig. So the Twig templating system in Craft is owning it. Right. Um, what does it What does it feel like to convert from the the sort of the the structure that sh- that someone's used in a given Twig template, you know, looping through the output of the database and so forth, converting that to make it uh, turn it into React components that are fetched from an API. Is it a complete rewrite? Can you borrow some of those concepts? Like, what is that like? Well, you can start out by just rewriting the React front end and still use everything that you have in craft. So you can get all of your navigation, your entries and everything that's already inside your craft page uh, and display it using React. And that way you just do half of the job instead of moving everything to headless. And then afterwards, when you're ready, you could create the uh, headless CMS or move out the craft part to a different server or move the React part to a different server and join them uh, by using APIs instead of... Okay. Evers, um, how how quickly can we start deploying this idea uh, to our client sites? I mean, I know Gustavs needs some time to build it, but do you see an, a need right now or do you see a need coming in the next year or so? That's kind of a thing that... We mentioned the previous episode, all those situations when we are already actually building in these kind of headless approach type functionalities. So, for example, if we have this kind of a boilerplate for React, I can just see that whenever there is a next time when we have to build the next shops configurator or anything like that, we can just start to use this kind of a base. I would say that it's important that there is a need for that because sometimes a standard monolithic website just works. But eventually when you grow out of a standard website and you start to connect these bunch of services, then you will certainly have a need to to implement this. Well, the biggest question is, uh, does the client need to scale? Because... Scaling becomes extremely hard with the monolithic approach once you start moving to like having different franchises in different countries uh, when you have larger and larger sets of teams um, you definitely need to go headless if you're planning on doing scaling so what does scaling mean what do you mean by that like scaling for traffic or scaling for you you mentioned uh, you know multiple country. Uh, multiple language websites, what does scale mean? Okay, so for instance, uh, if you use a headless CMS and you have a front-end layer which consumes that headless CMS uh, data, uh, 
and you are opening it up in several different countries scattered across the uh, globe. <clears throat> For instance, uh, Europeans accessing your uh, United States server would see uh, really slow loading times. So you would like to create another uh, server that's you know, residing in Europe so that people get access to your uh, site as fast as they can while still retaining this. You wouldn't want to clone your whole monolithic uh, server, uh, clone the database and keep the database clones in sync. You would instead just create another instance of the front-end layer. You're, you would probably use a cloud system for hosting it, such as the AWS or, or DigitalOcean or Google services, whatever. Uh, you would spin up another instance that would then connect to the database uh, of the headless CMS via API and fetch the data and display it as fast as possible in their region. That's a nice way of scaling. Okay. Um, it's just not possible with monolithic architecture. Yeah. yeah. Well, unless you're really aggressive with caching pages, caching full HTML. Yes. We often do that with Cloudflare. And, and we will inject the dynamic components into the page as needed. But for the most part, we can cache the entire thing. Um, but that, that has another set of challenges uh, that are really annoying for our clients. Is once we solve the scale problem and their site loads really fast because of caching, they're next annoyed about waiting for the cache to refresh. And sometimes it doesn't happen immediately. So they hit the button many, many times and it creates additional problems. This is another reason I like the headless approach is you're doing some decoupling that's really intelligent that way. So with this uh, <clears throat> with this React.js bootstrap you're, you're going to be developing, um, how, how, how is it going to conflict with existing JavaScript libraries on an existing site? I mean, any given site that we work on, whether we inherited it from another agency who built it or freelancer or, or internal team, there's always a lot of JavaScript stuff, usually outside marketing services that get loaded in there. How do you manage the conflicts across those different libraries with your Bootstrap uh, React.js framework? I've, uh, I've never ran into any conflict in existing pages using existing JavaScript and implementing a React app on top of that, unless they are using some sort of React components, some like parts of React, if they're using those, then there would be conflicts. Oh, wow. The conflicts would be of React versions. Okay. You would probably be on a newer version than that of that site. And that's when conflicts begin. But even then, it's possible to load two sets of React libraries uh, with different names so that you can use yours uh, separately from the one that already exists. Okay. So there are means of... Uh, bypassing that okay why react why not view or what or something else it's a matter of preference uh, i think personally uh, that view approaches the reactive uh, framework from the wrong side you write uh, html templates first and you uh, use HTML templates to 
do loops and, and pull in data and it doesn't look as good as React because React uses JavaScript first to create HTML components. Okay. And in my mind, that's that's the correct approach. So you know, walk me through an example of, you know, like your, your bootstrap is going to have to have an accommodation for navigation. Um, so what is that like? How many components is that? Um, how will you set that up? As in user navigation on page? Yeah. Yeah, uh, there's a library called React Router, which lets you uh, effortlessly create pages. And they expose components, which can be used as links, so you can easily link to other pages in your app. And what happens is when you click, click a link, the URL changes, the whole application renders the correct parts, uh, how you've set them up, but the page doesn't refresh, actually. It's still on the same page. It's instant. Everything's beautiful. <laughs> and uh, and when you refresh, and this is the cool part, when you refresh and you have the URL that's been changed, uh, it opens up the correct page. That's pretty cool. <laughs> it's hard to explain. You have to see it to believe it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It just hydrates everything uh, to the place where you you are at in the URL. You, so basically, the URL determines which components are being rendered in which parts. What, what does hydrate mean? Hydrate means that you load uh, HTML and then JavaScript determines which uh, which parts to make active and which not to make active. Okay. How does this fit, you know, this page load model that you're talking about? How does this fit in with Google Analytics? I mean, this is one challenge we're working on after this launch that we did with Here Comes the Guide. So they got this Melee search up and running. It's it's nanosecond fast compared to multiple second load times for filtered mm -hmm. filtered pages. It's so fast. Um, Google's not keeping up. Uh, so we need to do another cycle where we send uh, to the send events to Google Analytics. Is there something that you're thinking about in these terms? Well, yeah, you have your Google Events Analytics JavaScript and you write hooks in React, which uh, send events to Google whenever you navigate somewhere. It's, uh, it's all depending on the setup that you have. The client, each client has their own way of doing events, right? So. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a matter of business logic. Okay. Well, one of the goals for this bootstrap system that you're developing is that we, uh, you know, a lot of our clients are fairly large enterprises and they have internal policies from their IT teams um, that mandate that they revisit their technology choices on, a, on an interval. But usually it's three years, sometimes five. Um, it's it happens faster if they have you know a new VP of marketing step in who's going to reevaluate all the technology and platform choices. Um, and one of the great things about this idea is we'll be able to quickly, and this is my question, how quickly spin up demos. Okay, so you're evaluating your craft CMS uh, website and you're asking questions about is it still the right platform? Well, we can quickly spin up demos on a, a version of your site, a few pages, 
running on, say, Contentful or Sanity.io or some other system like that, or a, a, a headless version of Craft, Craft Cloud or something like that. So how, how quickly do you think we'll be able to do that for uh, a client who's interested in, uh, in, in addressing that? Because really, it's, um, it's an existential question for us because the client is saying, yeah, we're ready to fire you. Uh, because we're reevaluating the technology, and that usually means we're going to get rid of the technology, and that means you usually go away. I'd like to retain that client. I'd like to retain that relationship because we've built up so much trust and understanding and business logic understanding and all that sort of stuff. So this is like a retention uh, device, but how quickly can we use it? Well, it's a matter of... If everything goes as planned, of course, then it should be a matter of days. Uh, oh yeah, okay. Being able to spin up an instance of uh, Contentful. Well, first of all, you have to register and create the content in Contentful to display it uh, in our bootstrapped uh, application, right? Yeah. So you spend some time there, and then you create the actual uh, application, which is uh, minutes, I guess, and then you pull in the content from the uh, Contentful CMS and uh, create some components and display it on page. If you have the the site already there, then uh, using React, then it should be basically no problem at all using existing components. Okay. And just presenting the new data that comes from elsewhere. Okay. Evers, how are you going to use this? Well, on our end, one of the challenges is that we want to become more scalable and flexible within the operations team. Yeah. And to really do it, all developers have to understand the tools that we are using. So if we have such a standard base for these projects, then we can easily, quickly onboard any kind of developer or any amount of developers on a project. And they don't have to spend too much time to understand the project and set up so that's one of the reasons on, on our end why it's valuable. And also for client, really, it's valuable because that also introduces quality. We've tested out this kind of tool at that point with many, many clients. So you already know that it will, it will be solid. And uh, sometimes client needs to do some kind of a rush job rush project or something like that and it also allow, allows us to add a bunch of new developers on a project and they wouldn't be surprised what's under the hood yeah that's good we we sometimes um will pitch in and help other agencies when they need overflow and and they come in and help us if we were standardized if we were even able to open source this and have this you know that's one of the questions you ask another agency are you using so and so React Bootstrap, um, yeah, we are. Okay, is this site? Yeah, it is. Then you scale, you instantly faster, uh, and there's better understanding. This is a problem that we had this summer, and it was. Uh, this would have been nice as an additional thing to help uh, buy insurance on the timeline that we were facing. Uh, but what else? Do you see any other benefits to this? Well, it's more modern. Yeah. <laughs> compared to monolithic approaches, and if it's. Uh... If it's standardized enough and people have been using for it for, for quite a while, then I guess it's, uh, it's also way cheaper. Like, you'd get the same quality and 
for 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 more money, right? Yeah. You basically this would make it cheaper yeah. for a client. And yeah. Also, I'm I'm hoping that eventually we can grow it out with some additional standard features that are always necessary for clients. Those are usually form submissions. Also, your mentioned connection with CMS and e-commerce. If we have something like that and already tested and proven in a bunch of client projects, then um, you know you just know that you are going to have a really solid base. What's the yeah. what's the competitive landscape for this? I mean, this idea is a good idea. Surely, it's been done. Well, I believe that any agency or company or even group of developers have their own type of boilerplates. Um, it's kind of, as Gustav's mentioned, it's a matter of preference as well. Um, it's nothing groundbreaking, it's, to be honest. It's just uh, tailored for our needs, right? Mm-hmm. The other, I guess the, the unique part for our setup would be really this API or CMS API level of interaction. Because, um, you know, we are known as a company for working with CMS right now with Craft CMS, but also they're gradually moving to others as well. And that's that's our strong suit. That's, that's the thing that we know. And we just want to make sure that our base is really able to consume any kind of headless CMS. And uh, also in a way how we want it to be consumed because one of the things that we always implement in our client projects is for example page builders where in cmsn you have these flexible block based page builders where you can easily create any kind of page with your set of components and we for sure have to implement in our boilerplate an assumption that that's how we build create our pages also with this kind of project. I want to mention as well that uh, you can create boilerplate templates for Craft CMS uh, and for Contentful as well, where we already have uh, blocks of, uh, of content models ready uh, to go. Like we could instantly create uh, models for navigation, for pages, for uh, different kinds of layouts, stuff like that also possible so we would probably definitely go there yeah probably definitely <laughs> for sure yeah because well, the page builder idea is a, a, a sure thing that we're already seeing a lot of demand for yeah and uh, you know who can do it the best than than we right we've been working with craft cms and our specific page builder setup for so long so i'm excited to see how that translates in the React world and in a standard solution that we can always offer to our clients. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to save a lot of money. It's going to be easier to write proposals that hit a price point that's comfortable for the clients. Yeah. Um, I'm just, we need to find more efficiencies like this. I'm excited about this one. Well, maybe famous last and words. It comes, with, uh, it comes with scalability as well, which is cool. Definitely. 
And again, what kind of scale is it? Are you talking about scale like we were mentioning before about um, adding more team members to a project and scaling up the speed at which you can build? Or is it a different kind? Well, it's uh, on all sides, right? You can increase the number of people uh, developing the site. You can increase uh, the number of people editing content, uh, what have you, or increase the amount of servers to uh, meet the demand if, for instance, you're running into uh, into issues of the page not loading because of too many requests. You could easily spin up new instances, uh, which alleviate this issue. Well, let's wrap up. Any any last comments before we conclude this episode? No, that's it. not for me. You've been listening to the Soul Space podcast. 